0: Everybody, welcome into the Cubs Weekly podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at slash Cubs Weekly. And as a reminder, we're available on all podcast platforms, so be sure to rate, subscribe, check us out wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube in video form on there or on the Marquee Sports Network app. I'm Tony and jackie joined by Andy Martinez and Tim Stebbins. Guys, first off, uh, you know, thanks for joining here. Uh, Not great in Cubdom right now. Uh, This is Thursday morning that we're where we are recording here and Tuesday, Wednesday didn't go so great for the Cubs. Uh, Andy, let's start with you. Just what are your main takeaways from these first two Braves games and where things stand with four games left?
1: I mean, I guess it's those are just two as tough of losses as they could have, right? I think if you would have said that they would lose by one run, they would have been bad, but the manner in which it happened makes it even worse, uh, if that's possible. You think about the say Suzuki catch on Tuesday night or not catch, yeah, um, man, that, catch. yeah that 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 changed the ball game. And, and then you think about on Wednesday just how many times they led, right? They led 3 1, they led four three like they they had their opportunities to win the game and and they just couldn't close it out and it 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 has them in this position where with four games to play including thursday's finale in atlanta they're they're gonna have to go with something like three and one and hope that miami goes like two and two to to get in the playoffs It, it leaves them in a very precarious situation with with just over with just four games to to play
0: Yeah, I mean, Tim, what are your thoughts watching these last couple of like soul crushing losses, really, from the Cubs' perspective?
2: Yeah, I mean, we saw Atlanta at Wrigley a month ago, and I I remember that Friday game where they had what was like a nine run inning, right? And it just kind of showed you right away the firepower of that lineup, but we know the Cubs still took two or three. Um, I just think as I've watched these last two days, their second matchup this season, it's just like there's no breaks in Atlanta's lineup. I mean, you just see why that team is so good. and uh we can get into some other stuff i'm sure we will like the, the cubs bullpen the state of that right now but yeah. i think in any case there's a reason this team's won 100 plus games and you look one through nine and it's just like who do you if you wanted to pitch around to get to the next guy you, you can't do that you got to go with these guys and um it's it's deep one through nine and and uh i think that's kind of been playing out the last two as they've been uh rallying late to to beat the cubs
0: Yeah, I mean, like you said, we'll definitely get into a lot more bullpen talk and stuff later. But to me, what stands out from these losses is just it's been such a weird year. And, you know, all of us growing up in this area and and being around the Cubs and seeing what this is like. We've seen this story before. You know, we've seen how this has played out uh, quite a bit. And, it, you know, just with like these weird occurrences and weird balls bouncing against the Cubs and so on cubby occurrences, whatever you want to call it, like say Suzuki losing a ball in the lights for a minute, or um, just a lot of different things like that have seemingly gone against the Cubs. And honestly, I think that's what we saw. Like the first two, three weeks of the season were great. And then there was about two months where it felt like the ball just wasn't bouncing the Cubs way, which is baseball that happens. I also don't think they were playing that well, that they weren't pitching that great. Cody Bellinger was out so the offense wasn't as as lengthy as it is now and, um, and there's a lot of pressure on other guys and then their defense I think took a hit in that you know that middle area for a little bit too and then they righted the ship you know the pitching and bullpen got settled in and Bellinger came back and and raked and the defense was awesome and now it's the it's the same story again you know the the bullpen is uh really thin the pitching has been Overall, okay, but like the defense has let them down now. Like the Nico Horner error in in Wednesday night's game, really let the Braves back in the game, and and that was just so uncharacteristic. I mean, whether they turn two or not on that play is one thing, but like you have to at least get one out. Like you said, Tim, yeah. against this this lengthy Braves lineup, you cannot give them extra outs, and the Cubs have been doing that, and and it's like that's not what this team is built on. You know, whether it's the Seiya non catch or that Nico error or um, you know, Dansby Swanson against the Pirates made that error and Ian Happ couldn't come up with that ball that uh, Kyle Hendricks last outing. You know, like those were uncharacteristic plays from guys, those, in that case, two guys who were Gold glovers last year, uh, Nico, who is probably a Gold glover this year and Seiya Suzuki who won the equivalent of the Gold Glove in Japan a bunch. So like, that's what th- this team is supposed to be built on is defense and that's what stood out to me is like the pitching and defense has let them down when they've needed it the most and it's a tale of two seasons. It's like, it started out one way then the middle few months were like great um or at least the latter few and then the last few weeks is like the same story as it was to start the season it's just been an oddity i think
1: yeah it's been super strange just given like how like there's they've had their consistent stretches of either it's it's really really good or or it's kind of like what it is right now right like it, it's consistent in that sense but that's not a good consistent to have especially at this point of the year like the the i thought that Wednesday night's game really seemed like the type of game where the all season the Cubs have kind of shown the resiliency, right? Like you you talk about the fact that they were ten games under at one point and they're in a playoff conversation right now. Like that that in of itself is the definition of resiliency, right? Like easily could have things could have spiraled out. They they could have been sellers at the trade deadline easily, no problem. And, and instead they're they're fighting for a playoff spot, like. I thought the resiliency was on display on Wednesday and in, in that Tuesday was such a tough, brutal loss that they were coming back and had a, a lead, a 3-1 lead. Jamison Tyone's cruising. like It just seemed like everything was set up to, to have this big statement win. And you look at the, the scores around the league, right? The Marlins had lost the first game. They were tied at the time with the Mets. And the Reds have lost, and you're thinking like, "Wow, like what a difference 24 hours makes, right?" Like you feel really crummy about the Cubs on Tuesday night after the after they blow it to say Se- with Say Suzuki's non catch, and every result went against you, and now you're looking at a three one lead, and you're you're starting to let yourself imagine like, "Oh, maybe the magic number is this," or and maybe like they can clinch on on this date because if this happens, that happens, and like you're you, the, like all these start, stuff starts to happen, and then to Tim's point the Braves offense does its thing, which again, none of us are really surprised by it and they do that. And you're looking at a a situation where every game, which it was already is, is a must win because if you lose two, it really puts you in a precarious situation to, uh, to not make the playoffs. Yeah. I think Andy, go ahead, Tim.
2: I was, I was just, I think Andy made a good point, like about league wide, like, how yesterday was shaping up for the Cubs, like it, it's it was all coming up Cubs, and in, in terms of Cincinnati lost, and before that Miami got blown out in Game One of their doubleheader, and uh, obviously I think like when the Cubs were even leading late, like Miami was still in a, a tight game with New York, but in any case, in that such in that situation, you're thinking like even if Miami doesn't lose, if if they win and the Cubs win, like what does that put the Cubs in the standings? It's still a, probably a good day uh just because of what happened in the afternoon and then the way it all kind of came down on them. Uh I think it's just like like to Andy's point, you're starting to look and think like, okay, if they win, even if Miami wins, where are the standings? And you start looking ahead a little bit. And then they're just two nights in a row to have it come down. And uh those those soul crushing losses just just ended on such a sour note.
0: Yeah. And I think too like what <laughs> Andy, what you were saying about Jamison and Tyon is like it felt like it was one of those games that was as you said a statement it did it feel like it felt like that uh the beauty of baseball and the narratives that come out that like jameson ty and the big free agent signing and the guy who's done it before and pitched really well and has struggled all year and hasn't lived up to the contract or the um lived up to expectations just in general and then he comes out and has a really good outing and the last time out against the rockies yeah it was the rockies lineup but like the cubs desperately needed a win on friday last week he gave them six shutout and it's like hey is he gonna do that against easily the most potent lineup in baseball and it looked good. And I was starting to go back through the quotes he had from, uh, from last Friday's game about how like all he's focused on is winning and how getting through adversity. And I was starting to type up this tweet thread that I was going to send out. And, and then Nico, that double play ball um, that wasn't and all that stuff. And I was like, it's just crazy how it seems like things are shaping up to have these like really good stories and really good narratives. And then baseball just happens and it just goes the other way. So yeah, I, I think, it's to what you were saying, Tim. I mean, the the standings would have felt so much differently. The Cubs would have been a game up on Miami uh, with these four to play here, and they would have been in the driver's seat, and they would have felt like no matter what, they were in control of their own destiny. For the first time in a little while here, they're not in control of their own destiny. And and that's the case, again, with four games left. Like, if they win out, it doesn't matter unless Miami loses one. And Miami may lose one, right? Like, they, they're going to be playing – uh The Pirates, who have been playing really, really good baseball lately, they still have the Mets on Thursday here, so it's definitely possible. But from the Cubs' perspective, like, are they going to win four in a row? Like, the way they're playing right now, it seems kind of difficult. Like, yes, Atlanta, one more game. uh, And then the Brewers, who don't seem like they have a ton to play for. But these are soul-crushing losses, as we've said before, that, like, the Cubs have been super resilient all year. I just wonder if it gets to them at some point, if it – if it becomes really difficult to rise above because to get back into it, when you're 10 games under on June 8th and to climb all the way back in this race, not only was it physically demanding, and we're seeing the, the impact of that, especially in the bullpen, but it was mentally draining and demanding for these guys to do it in the, in the, you know, incredible schedule they had to like go to London and come back and multiple stretches of games were like, what was that? Like 27 games in 27 days or whatever it was. Um, like just a ton of really tough schedules uh w- earlier this month it was like day night day night day night for like six or seven days in a row so it's like you don't get in a rhythm and like all of these are excuses like that's not what i'm sa- using it as like oh that it's fair that the cubs are at this point i'm just saying that i think it gets to them and when you're talking about september twenty sixth, 27th and yeah the season's on the line but you're facing the best teams in baseball in atlanta and milwaukee it's just tough to like do that on a night in night out basis when you've already expended so much energy just to even get to this point. And that's, I think, like we said, with the bullpen, that's the biggest concern. And Andy, you and I have been talking about it for a long time is like all these guys were worked so hard and, and four and five appearances in, in a week. And just, you know, Quas is is up there in, in top appearances and he was their only deadline addition. but like Merryweather, Light or have never worked this long into, into a season. Um, Fulmer Boxberger with the big offseason additions are now injured. Brandon Hughes was supposed to be the main lefty in the bullpen. Uh, now he's, you know, he's been hurt all year. You haven't really had a lefty down there until Smiley got down there. So it's just the bullpen seems like they've completely run into a wall these last three weeks here. And I think that that's the main reason why the Cubs are where they are is because they don't have reliable options there. So Andy, just what are your thoughts on like how the bullpen has played out Um, and where, how they possibly write the ship over the final four games there.
1: Yeah, I think like the, the most telling sign of the bullpen right now is like Merriweather and Leiter are, are your just on uh, track record of this season are probably your two most trusted arms, but they've been shaky of late. And that they, I mean, we saw Leiter get, pitch for the first time in a week and, and gives up the lead in the ninth inning. And, and Julian Merriweather has had his struggles of late. So, like, I, I look at the bullpen right now and who are the two most trusted arms right now i would say in the bullpen it's probably drew smiley and javier Assad, and that's kind of a testament to where the bullpen's situation is with it's it's two guys who have started for big portions of the season are the guys you probably turn to the most to get outs and and really they, they've done that uh for for the most part you look at drew Smiley; those two first two nights in in atlanta the first night right tuesday night should get out of it say Suzuki makes that catch no problem it looks good again on wednesday like all like it's, it shows the precarious situation that they're in in the bullpen where, to your point, like you, you kind of just don't know what you're going to get out of there. And, and if you have to cover, in in Wednesday night's case, nine outs, 12 outs, that's kind of scary. Like That's a lot of outs that you have to cover with an unproven commodity. And then you throw in, by the way, like they're facing the best offense in baseball, and that's just like a double whammy on top of it. I think uh, it should get a little bit... Favorable, just given that they're playing Milwaukee. That he, if you have like a four-run lead, if you have to get 12 outs against Milwaukee, it's a little bit uh, easier of a task than doing it against Atlanta. But at the end of the day, you're still going to probably have to get some combination of outs on on Thursday because of Marcus Stroman coming back, and you don't know what you're going to get. Like maybe you hope you get five innings or, or six innings, but you just don't know, given how his last outing went and that he's coming back from injury. So if that's the case, like you're going to have to cover even more innings. And or, or even more outs, and and then you're. That's not even taking into account that like probably got someone like Drew Smiley's down, just given that he's pitched back to back. Yeah, have your side might piggyback after after uh Stroman, like he did uh in his first outing. But there's still just so many question marks about like how do you cover those final final outs, and uh, that's that's I think the biggest issue going going into the, the final stretch of games.
2: Yeah, I, I just think I just think that David Ross is in a a tough tough spot i mean like tony you mentioned injuries right like Alzheimer's, fulmer boxberger okay so that slides up we always talk about you know you work backwards from the ninth right like those are those are a couple of guys at least entering the season with boxberger's case but fulmer and Alzheimer's, like those are two guys that if alzala is down maybe fulmer a ninth inning option but you know in any case like Quas, palencia was meriwether lighter smiley asad like I think I think in each case, like you know, there's those guys all have strengths. There's also some ups and downs that they've all had this year, right? So I think like the way that it was going yesterday, like that's that's like that's the that's the position they're in where Smiley quats, like that and it, it almost worked. And honestly, and those guys pitched well. They pitched out of jams. We talk about the error, but they, they still got out of it with the lead. Um, I I just think I look at it, when they get down in those innings, it's just how are you going to cover it and and when you don't have the guys that all season got you here uh, I just think there's you know whatever decision you make like it's it's just a tough spot and in, in whether with what what you have to work with I guess is the shortest way to say that
0: yeah I mean at this point like the Cubs kind of just have to like hope and pray and expect some luck because that's really what it is when uh, when you're playing these close games against Atlanta and Atlanta can beat you in so many different ways Acuna hitting a you know, high fly ball down the right field line that goes for a homer, or uh, you know, ripping a single to right center, stealing second, and then Ozzy Albie's drives him home, which happened multiple times and, in this game. Like, and but, in
1: both situations, are not bad pitches. How the the, no. the home run against Assad was was a pretty decent pitch. That single against Daniel Palencia was, I thought, was a great pitch. The pitch you would throw in that situation. That it, it, again, yeah. the Braves are the Braves.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And and they beat you in so many different ways. I mean, the Wednesday lineup, I think it was everybody had at least 16, 17 homers, whatever it was in the, you know, up and down one through nine. It's like, they have so much power. They have speed. They can beat you in so many different ways. They're at home. So even if you get to extra innings, like Wednesday night, like they have the advantage there and the Cubs offense has been all right, but they're not pushing across multiple runs when they need to in extra innings, as we saw in Arizona and then in this. So, Um, there've been a lot of losses, especially recently that it feels like, oh, this might be a low point for the Cubs. And I I don't, I mean, I think it's safe to say that this is kind of the low point right now. Obviously the actual low point was June 8th when they were 10 under 500. It didn't look like they'd even be in this position. So yeah, it's, you know, keeping things in perspective, like it just, I think everybody will know that. And there'll be plenty of time in the off season when the season is over, however the season ends to look back and be like, yeah, this year was a success. And I think once the dust settles, everybody will believe that. Or I think most people will believe that this year was a success to even get to this point, but to come so close, to have a four game lead in the wild card with like a two weeks to play, to feel like you had, I think they at one point had almost 90% chance, 92%, playoff, per 92% playoff odds. Like to feel like you're that close and then potentially come up short like this is just really difficult for Cubs fans to take. It's really difficult for the team to take when they have worked so hard. And like we said, grinded so long to get to this point. So, yeah, I mean, things aren't great right now, but, um, you know, we'll see how things go. Like maybe Atlanta gets to the point where they start resting some of their guys. Like, I don't know that Acuna rests because he's in that tight, tense MVP race with with Mookie Betts, but like maybe some of the other guys, they still have some major pitching questions as well with, uh, you know, their starter on Wednesday night was a guy who doesn't have much big league experience. You know, I don't even know exactly who's starting for them Thursday right now, but like they have a bunch of starters out. Uh, Some of their top relievers have also worked and, and worked heavily the last couple of days. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how things play out. Milwaukee's a little bit different situation, but let's take a quick break here. When we come back, let's talk a little Cubs offense, Uh, and then look ahead to the final weekend of the, the season here.
1: You've got the jersey, the ball cap, the foam finger. Everyone can see you're a Chicago Cubs fan from a mile away. Ready to take your look to the next level? upgrade your wallet with an exclusive cubs debit card which you can get when you open a Wintrust cubs checking account with no monthly fees free atms nationwide and a 300 bonus when you open your account start showing your cubs pride with every purchase sign up at win slash cubs only 100 required to open no monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees member fdic and equal housing lender all
0: right we're back here in the cubs weekly podcast tony and drecky joined by tim Stebbins, andy martinez and Guys, I, I feel like uh one thing that we've seen from the the Cubs recently is the lineup seems a bit longer. Jamer Candelario's back prior to that. You know, Miles Mastroboni and Patrick Wisdom were having forming a pretty good tandem at third base on that last home stand. And I think just in general, the lineup seems to be maybe not firing on all cylinders, but but clicking pretty good. And I think part of that is Mike Talkman is Come back uh, after struggling for maybe a little bit at the beginning of the month. He's kind of been back to what he was before, and his since September 11th. You know, his last 13 games, 281 average, 410 on base, weighted runs created plus of 139. So he's been 39 percent, you know, above average there. Like he's been a solid contributor, and I see Cubs Twitter alive a lot about how PCA Pico Armstrong should be in center or should be playing over Talkman or whatever else, and. And you know Talkman has a big homer on Wednesday night and all that. I just I feel like like the Talkman at bat lately is just proof of why he's in there and especially setting the table leading off and and then the ability to have PCA come off the bench and either be a pinch runner in center field, but also I mean we've seen PCA make quite a few mistakes. He's made three or four outs on the base pass already in just the limited playing time he dove for a ball Wednesday night that he shouldn't have dove for with Michael Harris on uh, that didn't end up coming around to score, but still like that's an easy ball that should have just been a single and you lay up and, and get and um, losing a ball in the sun looks over match to the plate. Like he has a really bright future and very well may win rookie of the year next year, but he's, it seems like there's just so much going on. And it's so tough for a young player to come up in his first big league outings to try to like be in these tens, Incredible moments where, like, even against the Rockies, the Cubs are playing one-run games where they have to claw back and come back. So it just feels like difficult for PCA to to be in the lineup. I kind of understand. I definitely understand the Talkman in there, but one thing that stood out to me is like Jan Gomes is playing all the time right now. Miguel Amaya is barely playing two down the stretch, and again, people have criticisms about David Ross is leaning on veterans too much, but with Jan Gomes, it's been obvious I mean some of the way that he is blocking balls in the dirt and throwing out base runners and uh, coming up with clutch hits like this guy's been incredible all year managing navigating the pitching staff like I feel like Jan Gomes get should get his due and has been getting his due just about how incredible of a season he's had so far this season Tim what are your takeaways just from the Cubs offense but also like what Gomes has been able to do as a 35 36 year old catcher this year
2: I'll start with Gomes just to segue on that but I think we've seen this all year. Like when when they've had those leverage spots, they've had those chances or two outs, one out. Like you need to get an RBI. Like I think he's been such a frequent guy who's come through, and the the numbers bear it out. Like I know it's you know the the fewer plate appearances in high leverage compared to other situations, but in high leverage, it's seventy one plate appearances, twenty RBIs hitting 350 with an 844 OPS and then, you know, medium leverage. He's got 22 RBIs hitting 315, 869. So like, I think, I think we've seen that just, you know, they get a guy on base and he comes up and you, you've started to feel just like, yeah, he's going to come through it. At least for me, I I, I feel pretty confident just from what he's continuing, uh, continuing to show. Um, I think offensively with Candelario back, I think that makes interesting for the lineup. I mean, Talkman, you know you have the dh option in there um bellinger center right but if candelario is in there and he's at first like who who do you think is at third like lately with the way he's hitting like i think miles mastroboni has can has earned continued playing time here and i know at the end of the day like there's a lot of matchups that they play and then that's just the modern game but last seven games he has 11 hits and um pretty pretty solid i think defensively at third base so it's just like the, the way he's going, like I, I think he's definitely been someone lately that you want to keep keep running out there just because he's he's on such a good streak right now. Yeah,
1: yeah, and the, like I, I think that's that was kind of we touched on it on the last podcast, right, with Miles Masharoni, like kind of you. We thought the Nick Magical injury was going to be pretty tough, and Miles has stepped in pretty seamlessly. But it, it, the 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 most interesting thing about Jamer Candelar being back to me is just how creative that allows david ross to get with his bench whether it's like a like to your like you mentioned uh tony if you want to go with the pca route which we know his struggles and, and we know like what what has happened since he's been up like that's still a defensive option that he can go to or speedster that he can go to off the bench he has the power option in christopher morrell who's now just given the roster set up probably the odd man out in terms of the starting spot but like that's a power option along with Patrick Wisdom um off the bench like it it creates so much for for the team to have that uh to to have that reinsertion of Jamer Candelario into the lineup and the big thing for me is making sure that Jamer Candelario can get back up to game speed quickly he looked pretty good in his in his at-bats on on Wednesday night but like it, jamer candelaro is only as good as he plays over the last four games and and that's big brain thinking right but like it it, it it's true like if he's struggling the effect of jamer candelaro doesn't matter right like yes you got him back but if he's struggling like he was before the injury then it it, it doesn't really change a whole lot other than like the name per se if you're able to have a, a version that's at least getting a hit get, get it putting it together competitive at the I think that that helps a lot. And I think that's the kind of the effect that Mike Talkman had, even when he was struggling, right? Where it's, yes, he's not picking up the hits or, or the, or getting on base like he was, but he was still putting together seven, eight pitch at bat. And as a lead off hitter, that was clutch. Cause once Nico Horner came up, it's like, okay, he's seen a few of these guys pitches or, or, or if he had followed after that, like, okay, he's, he's seen, like it, it just, it had this trickle down effect that, that uh, helped the team. And, and I'm not saying Jamer Candelari has to be having eight pitch at bats or, or, having long at-bats to, to help his teammates but he needs to be contributing in some way so that the the effect of his return can really be felt for the Cubs and and there's four games to do that
0: yeah and with with four games left like obviously things are um really coming to a head here like again I think Ian Hap said it best on the homestand is this is exactly where you would have wanted the Cubs to be maybe not exactly right like you would have wanted them to be in the driver's seat at this point if you're a fan if you're on the team but uh the fact that they're still in it with four games left. I mean, to me, that's really all I asked for when I was like covering the team is like this that we're covering games that matter and not another sell-off like the last couple of years. And um, so I things have certainly not gone the Cubs' way. They haven't played up to their capabilities, especially defensively or, or pitching in some areas. But like I still think it's fun to to kind of just see how this all plays out and the craziness of three card spots and uh, final weekend here, you know, four games, including Thursday Cubs play the Braves Thursday. And then the Brewers uh, Marlins got the Pirates this weekend. Diamondbacks played the Astros Diamondbacks probably are going to get that second seed because for the Cubs, the Cubs are essentially three games behind with a tiebreaker and not having the tiebreaker over Atlanta or sorry, over Arizona or Miami really, really hurts the Cubs here. But Arizona's two games up on the Cubs for that second wild card. So it seems pretty much most likely that If the Cubs get in the playoffs, it'll be as a sixth seed and eventually play Milwaukee. So as as we kind of just try to figure this all out, like you look at the pitching lineup for Cubs, it's Marcus Stroman on Thursday, probably Kyle Hendricks Friday, then Jordan Wick Saturday, Justin Steele Sunday, assuming that Sunday matters, which at this point it, it does just because of the tiebreakers, as we said. So what the heck do the Cubs do pitching wise if they get all the way through game 162, punch a ticket to the playoffs? And then they have game one Tuesday night in Milwaukee again. Like, Andy, we'll start with you. Like, how do you see this pitching lining up for the Cubs to one, get them to the playoffs? And two, once they get to the playoffs, like, what do they do with that game 162 or game one of the, the wild card series there?
1: So I'll start backwards. If they get into the playoffs right now, where, where it's going, like, you, you don't care who starts, right? Like, you just want to get there. Yeah. You figure that out once you get there. Uh, right now, I mean, the. This the starting pitching is going to be so huge because of what we've talked about, because of the bullpen, because of the issues that the, that they've had with the bullpen. Like these guys have to go out there and, and and put up dominant outings. Is that fair? No, but that's just the reality of the situation, right? Like you need them to to do what they what they have done for the most part this season, and that's that's have good good outings. It starts with Marcus Stroman on Thursday, but once it gets to the play, like if they get to the playoffs, like that's where it becomes really interesting. Like I mean, it would look like. Marcus Stroman or Jamison Townes, your game one starter, which uh, maybe a couple of months ago you would have thought was crazy. But Jamison Towns looked really good. and and just given the way th- that it's set up, it might be your best option, right? you you don't we don't know what we're getting out of Stroman on Thursday night. We didn't really know what we were going to get out of him in call against Colorado, and he kind of struggled. So if he struggles again, like it would be hard to be in a game one and a three game series and and try to turn to Marcus Stroman in a must-win game because the leash might be really, really short. Whereas like with Jamison Tyone, he's looked pretty solid that maybe you think you could get, go a little deeper and and, and get some more outs out of, out of him. It's a really, really interesting situation. But, I mean, I think if you think about it, that, that Milwaukee series is really, really big. And who's been three of your best pitchers, three start best three starting pitchers of late? It's probably been Jordan Wicks, Kyle Hendricks, and Justin Seal. And I know Justin Seal had some clunkers, but he looked really good against that line on Tuesday night. So you have this situation where, like, your starting pitchers, your starting pitching is lined up that you give yourself a chance. Again, they don't control their own destiny, so like, even if they go four and zero, there's still there's still scenario where they're left out. But I mean, I think this the I've said it before. I feel I feel like I've said this multiple times on the podcast, you have your start, starting pitching scripted out like you would have wanted to going into a, a crucial series.
0: Yeah, Tim, what do you just make of the the Cubs starting pitching, the way it's lined up for the final series, final few games, and then? The fact that if just you know they probably need Justin Steele in Game One Sixty Two, so your best pitcher, Cy Young candidate, then wouldn't be around even if you do make the playoffs. He wouldn't be available for that wild card series, most likely.
2: Well, I want to say this really quick. I'm I'm very curious because I think it's Woodruff, Peralta, Hauser lined up. I'm very curious Yeah. what in their final tune ups. I'm very curious what their usage looks like. And you you're not going to put them out there for two innings, right? But uh they might it's probably there's probably a level of caution, right? To some point, to some degree, and and I'm very curious what that looks like, and therefore what that means for the Cubs. Um, I think as far as this weekend, like I'm with Andy, like the way it's lined up looks looks good, looks nice to me, and and I'm just very curious about Sunday because I think it's just got to be all hands on deck. Tony, you were the you, you remember 2017 NLDS in Washington, right? Like, I think this game five, we know Scherzer came in for Washington, but. I think the Cubs in the seventh, or eighth inning trotted out Jose Quintana, and he was lined up to start a potential game one of the NLCS. And I know it's you know we're, not, we're talking about different postseason rounds, different circumstances, but they they thought in that spot that they needed to go to him. They won that game, and he might have started on one or two days rest. But you kind of just have to worry about that next round if you get there. You can't think ahead of time like, well, we need to save a guy. Like that's the last thing yeah. I would do. And th- there there's a certain element of this like you're not going to just, you're not going to run guys out there who maybe started a day before and, and their arm is, you know, they need rest. But, but I think someone like Stroman, who's pitching Thursday, like come Sunday, like you're not saving him for a potential game one. There's just no way you can do that to me. So um, I think if they're in a position, especially to clinch, like especially with how the bullpen's going, like you've got to just, if you got to get in. That's the bottom line to me.
1: No, for yeah, sure. So I, real quick. I was going to say real quickly, like, yeah, to me, like that, that lines up perfectly, like right in a perfect world that game 160 is huge. Justin Steele gives you six or seven innings and you need to cover those last six or nine outs like Marcus Stroman to get three, I think is a, is like a no brainer. And like uh, probably I talked about some of the guys that are trusted. I think Marcus Stroman in a short burst like that probably goes to the top of that list about uh, of guys you trust to get get three outs.
0: Yeah, definitely. And Edward Alzalai told reporters in Atlanta before Wednesday's game that he anticipates being back Friday. You know, he threw a simulated game against some of his Cubs teammates. So, if that's the case, um, assuming he's effective, that'll be huge for the Cubs just to have another lockdown reliever for that final series. But, you know, there's obviously question marks about Mark Leiter Jr. He's appeared in one game in the last week and um, it was rough, you know, gave up a double, gave up a homer in that. So, um, didn't quite look like himself, came out pretty quickly after all that. So whatever it is that he's been dealing with and, and banged up, um, you know, that's obviously affected him. Julian Merriweather, like we said, is really um, seemed to kind of struggle. Like he's worked around traffic, worked around a couple, out of a couple jams against Colorado on the homestand and then gave up a run, you know, Wednesday night against the Braves. So yeah, between that and just figuring all that out, I, I think Cubs are in a really precarious position. But to your point, Tim, earlier is, How the Brewers played is going to be really interesting because there's two schools of thought. One, you could look at it as essentially it's like spring training games, right? Like it's Cactus League. You get the starting pitchers out there for a few innings, maybe just work through some of your main relievers on Friday and then give them Saturday, Sunday off. Uh, Have some of the guys who are banged up in your position player group not play. Christian Yelich has missed a lot of this month with a back issue. He was – once they clinched, he was already out of the lineup on Wednesday – maybe William Contreras only plays one or two games or Willie Adamas or Carlos Santana or whatever it is at the same time, the Brewers also have a serious rivalry rivalry with the Cubs and they know that they can knock the Cubs out of the playoffs. And they know that if they don't, that the Cubs are going to be the team that they play. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of motivation at play from Milwaukee's perspective beyond just the fact of like, yes, they first and foremost is keeping players healthy and setting your team up for success going into the wildcard round But at the same time, I don't think there's any part of Milwaukee that wants and especially like Craig Council, like who's very competitive and a fantastic manager. Like, I don't think there's any part of them that is like, oh, yeah, let's let the Cubs walk all over us or let's not really care about the outcome of these games. Like they want to they probably want to choose who they want to play. And to be honest, if I'm the Brewers, I would want to play the Marlins, especially with my pitching staff. If I'm the Brewers pitching staff going up against the Marlins offense, which has struggled all year. Like that was, that's probably how I would want to play it out. So that's, I, I don't think Milwaukee's going to lay down at all this weekend here.
2: Yeah. yeah my, I, I, that, go ahead, Tim. Go ahead. I'll just say my Milwaukee took three to four from Miami at home uh, like two weeks ago. So if, you know, as far as a rematch goes, I think anything can happen, but you know, they have proof of concept very recently that they match up well with that team.
1: And that's, that's what I was going to mention too, is, is like, uh, there's so much recency bias, but at the end of the day, like, which lineup do you look at and which one would you rather face? I mean, I would probably rather face Miami than, than the Cubs any day of the week. And and when you have a at least some uh, possibility of controlling your destiny, I think you want to take advantage of it if you're the Milwaukee Brewers.
0: For sure. So it'll be super fascinating to see how it all plays out. Next time you'll hear from us will be after the regular season ends. We'll be on here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast discussing either the wildcard round coming up or tying a bow on the Cubs 2023 season that ended in disappointing fashion so next four games will be really really interesting uh stay locked into marquee sports network for all of your coverage head to marqueesportsnetwork.com for all of our digital coverage as well all right so that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs weekly podcast presented by Wintrust don't forget to download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and check us out in video form on the marquee sports network app and YouTube for Tim and Andy I'm Tony thanks for tuning in uh, my-